This is Ned Ryan, and welcome to the Ned Ryan Podcast, Episode 5. So today I want to talk about the recent riots, looting, protests, etc. that have been taking place here in this country, in America, but also about this myth, this narrative that the far left is trying to drive that has now gotten into the mainstream media, that somehow there is an epidemic of police violence targeting young black men. And want to go through some of those statistics and really show you the facts, really what is happening. Of course, you're not going to be hearing this in the news because they're not really news. They're just propagandists. And this podcast is an antidote to that ignorance being pushed by them. So if you were to listen to the media regarding these quote-unquote peaceful protests, you would think that somehow there is a significant percentage of the population here in this country that approve of them, that approve of all these things that are taking place, that these people are rising up, they've been oppressed. It's, it's cool for them to be out there protesting and looting and burning businesses and destroying likely billions of dollars of property. Well, an Emerson poll from beginning of June, so about a month ago, asked people, do you approve or disapprove of the looting and acts of destroying property as a means of protest to the death of George Floyd? Only 17% approved. 76 disapproved. The morning consult asked, would you support or oppose cities calling in the National Guard? The total that supported was 71%. 71% of those polled overall believed that if the local municipalities, the mayors and the governors of cities and states would not use the police force as it was intended to be used to enforce the law, to stop the rioting and the protesting, the National Guard should be called in. 71% supported that. Only 18% opposed it. If you break it down by Democrat versus Republican, 63% of Democrats actually supported that, supported calling in the National Guard. Of course, Republicans, it was 87%. The one that gets really interesting is about calling in the U.S. military. Again, remember the Tom Cotton op-ed in the New York Times and all that big hullabaloo over the poor woke people over the New York Times propaganda rag sheet. Calling in the U.S. military received a total support of 58% of those polled. 58%. Only 30% actually opposed it. Democrats, almost 50% of them, 48% supported calling in the U.S. military to stop the rioting and the looting. And of Republicans, it was 77%. Now, these are, these are really interesting statistics because, again, you saw a narrative in the media, again, that these are largely peaceful protests. I thought the funniest one was the MSNBC reporter, actually host, standing in front of a burning building going, these appear to be mostly peaceful protests, as if our eyes are lying to us. And then you see and you realize most of the American people still have their heads screwed on correctly. They wanted an end to this. They wanted this to stop. First of all, we all know this really, maybe a little bit at the beginning, at the very, very beginning, had anything to do with George Floyd. This was all about Antifa and Black Lives Matter, you know, the white and the black Marxists deciding this was an opportunity to seize upon, to really push the radical far-left ideology in which they really want to burn down this country and out of those ashes, build a new order, which has nothing to do with our founding. So 
People understood that the rioting and the protesting was getting out of hand across party lines. The majority of them obviously supported uh, bringing in the National Guard, and even a majority, almost 60%, supported bringing in the U.S. military. So this all brings me to the next point. What about the police? Again, if you were to listen to a lot of the mainstream media, uh, not only the cable news like MSNBC or CNN, New York Times, the printed edition, Washington Post, you would think that somehow there's this massive epidemic of police violence against young black males. That if you are a young black male just innocently walking down the street, the odds are really good that on your way back from school, you're somehow going to get accosted by police and shot to death. Again, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but not really, actually, if you, you listen to some of these people talking. So, beginning of June, Remington Polls asked people how trustworthy are our nation's police officers. And the respondents said 80% of them considered our police force trustworthy. Only 17% considered them untrustworthy. Again, this is an 80% issue. Eight out of 10 Americans believe our nation's police officers are trustworthy. Juxtapose that against their opinion of Antifa, which was another question asked. Only 15% of them had a favorable opinion of Antifa. I would love to know who those 15% are. Probably Antifa members themselves. Unfavorable was 54%. No opinion was 31%. I don't know where those 31% have been. Probably with their heads stuck in the sand. The other question was, who do you blame for the recent violence and looting nationwide? 13% blamed the police. Again, who knows why, except for maybe they thought they triggered the violence with uh, the incident with George Floyd, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit here. One of the reforms that should take place with the police is regarding the police unions. And we'll talk about that. So 13% blamed the police for the violence and the looting nationwide. 24% the protesters. Antifa, people said 31% said Antifa was responsible for the rioting and the looting, and other was 24%. So do you support, again, this was another poll regarding the deployment of the National Guard. Do you support or oppose the deployment of the National Guard to help with the unrest in cities caused by rioting and looting? 71% supported. So again, you're seeing this is a 70% issue plus. When you get to that in American politics, you embrace that issue. If you can get 7 out of 10 Americans to actually agree on something in this day and age, that's a winning issue. Do you approve or disapprove of how President Trump is handling the protests and riots across the country? Now, if you were to listen again to the press, the propagandists, you would think that this has been an utter disaster that this has totally sunk Trump's chances at re-election, that he has done everything wrong in regards to um, his response. I would argue my quibble with President Trump, of, of whom I am a big supporter, have been defending him on TV and in the print and in the press for basically before he was inaugurated. My quibble with Trump is that he wasn't more forceful coming out of the gates. Again, dealing with Minneapolis, sending in the National Guard, immediately having a forceful response to the lawlessness on the streets uh, in American cities. And I know that he was getting some bad advice, which it looks like he has uh, moved away from, thankfully. I think the the speech at Mount Rushmore, 
The day before the the July 4th celebrations, I think that was a huge reset on his messaging and a more forceful response and really highlighted how he's going to approach, I think, the 2020 elections, where it's going to be Americanism versus socialism. Again, the whole idea of peace and stability and law and order versus lawlessness and a tearing down of our institutions. So, but going back to this question, even back in June, people were asked, do you approve or disapprove of President Trump's handling of the protests and riots? 52% approved, 44 disapproved. What political party do you trust to handle the recent protest and rioting? 50% trusted the Republican Party, 39% trusted the Democratic Party. So, when it comes to defunding the police, <clears throat> back to the issue of the police, when you're talking about this issue, remember what I discussed in my episode about Black Lives Matter. These Marxists who want nothing to do with American capitalism and free enterprise, this, the, all the in- institutions based off critical race theory, which calls into question and thinks that the very founding of this country is illegitimate. Therefore, any institutions built off the founding, the Constitution, uh, including you know Department of Justice, all these things are supposed to protect and uphold the rule of law. They f- therefore, they are illegitimate, right? So that's their whole lens, how they view this world. So they are pushing for the defunding of the police and in some cases, the complete abolishment of the police. So in a YouGov uh, poll asked the end of May, only 16% of Americans, including just 33% of the blacks, approved of defunding the police. 65% of Americans opposed it. Go back to that. 33% of the black population, only 33% actually supported the defunding of the police. Which means, again, that's almost a 70% issue in the black community, saying they do not want to have the police defunded. Why is that? If you think about what is taking place in American large urban areas, especially, say, Chicago, especially on the south side of Chicago, where I've been in broad daylight and still did not feel safe, there is active violence taking place with young black males on other young black males. About 7,000, I think it's over 7,000 a year, young black males are dying, uh, homicide. The overwhelming majority of those are young black males killing other young black males. Statistics show, and and I'll talk about some later in this podcast. But most in the black community understand that the police and their communities, for the most part, are doing their best to protect the largely peaceful citizens of these minority communities. If you were to defund the police, even abolish the police, you know which communities you would be damaging the most, which you would expose to even more violence? It would be the minority communities in the largely urban areas here in this country. That's why most of the black community, almost 70%, does not support the defunding of police. So 65% of Americans opposed it. In fact, defunding the police came in dead last Dead last out of the priorities for Americans to achieve police reform. It was also funny to see in this poll, the YouGov poll, only 25% of millennials supported defunding the police. Millennials typically are not rocket scientists, but even they know that defunding the police is a really bad move. 88% of respondents, including 94% of Democrats, 83% of Republicans supported training to police, training police to de-escalate conflicts. Again, that's based off a little bit of ignorance. Of course, they're trying to de-escalate. I mean, you talk to police officers around the country, 
They want everybody to go home alive. They want to go home alive. They want the person that they're pulling over or the person that they're stopping from committing violence or crime, they want them to go home alive. So de-escalating is something that they are trained to do already. Body cameras were also overwhelmingly supported. Well, of course, they already have body cameras on them. So here's the one piece of reform with police that I, I actually totally agree with. Go back to Minneapolis. Officer Chauvin, the one that had his knee on the neck of George Floyd. I believe it was 18 complaints were filed against him in about a 20-year span. I think it was 18 or 19 years. Um, So this guy had a lot of complaints against him. And yet he was still on the streets with a badge. And obviously was there and and did what he did to George Floyd because he he wasn't removed. And there were some incidents, and and if memory serves me correct, there were shooting incidents with, with Chauvin. A lot of different complaints. He's still on the streets. Why is that? Well, let's look at police unions and what they do. And I think what they are doing in some ways to damage the reputation and the effectiveness of the police forces here in this country. So since 2006, at least 1,881 police officers have been fired from 37 of the nation's largest departments for misconduct of various kinds. However, departments were forced to reinstate the officers in nearly a quarter of the incidents because of union contracts. So almost 2,000, just under 2,000 officers were fired from almost 40 of the largest police departments in the country for misconduct of various kinds. Almost 25% of them, however, were bought back because of union contracts. Such reinstatements, I think, uh, perpetuate police misconduct in their departments. In fact, statistics show this. In fact, a 2018 study found that unionization in the police force increased misconduct incidents by 40%. Police union contracts often restrict the ability to use certain measures to address police misconduct. As an example, many such contracts prohibit investigators from questioning officers until a number of days after the incident occurs. Furthermore, many departments throughout the United States permit officers to collaborate on a use of force report and allow officers to view body cam recording before writing a story so they can ensure they get the facts straight. Police unions also make it difficult to investigate the complaints themselves. For example, a 2012 DOJ investigation of the police department in Portland, Oregon, found that two-thirds of complaints were dismissed without inquiry because they could not overcome the procedural hurdles established by the police unions to even start an investigation. For the complaints that were investigated, they were subject to a six-tier review process that took more than a year to work through. A small number of complaints were never even resolved. I mean, this is, again, one of those things. Listen, I am convinced, knowing police officers, knowing what they do, knowing that they are put into very dangerous situations, even with unarmed people, by the way. I mean, unarmed people have killed armed police officers. Let's not kid ourselves. They are put into these situations. They are forced to respond in split second as quickly as possible, right? I am convinced that 99% of our police officers in this country, let's call it 95%, but the overwhelming majority of the men and women serving in uniform, in the blue, on our streets, are good men and women who want to do the right thing. However, there are corrupt cops. There are cops that abuse their badges. I mean, think about James Comey, right? Former head of DOJ, the top law enforcement officer. 
I tell people we have corrupt cops, from James Comey down to the local level. However, we can't let the corrupt cops color the rest. However, if police unions will not allow the corrupt cops to be dealt with, it will eventually color the rest of the police departments. And so I think we've got to have a conversation about how you reform the police unions. Of course, police need a voice, right? So the police unions can be that voice to advocate for their wages, their benefits, et cetera, et cetera. I get it. But at some point, police unions have to actually understand that at some point they have to say if there are a number of complaints against specific police officers, they cannot defend that behavior. It's time for them to move on and for those people to remove, be removed from the police force or else it will damage the reputation of the entire police force. A comprehensive study of police union contracts in 81 of America's 100 largest cities revealed the following. 43 cities frequently erase records of misconduct, misconduct, often within a two-year period. 64 cities refuse to allow an officer's record of past misconduct to be considered in future cases. 50 cities prevent police officers from being questioned immediately following an incident and place restrictions on who can interrogate them, the questions that can be asked, and the timing of an interrogation. Officers often cannot be interviewed at the scene, and internal affairs investigators sometimes have to wait for days to get a statement. Forty cities mandate that the city pays legal fees for officers that engage in misconduct, as well as the cost of their settlements. So, this is, if you were to ask me honestly, again, I would say, let's have a conversation about police unions, and let's start there. Again, because I think sometimes the police unions... And I'm not, gonna, I'm not a police officer. I've never been a police officer. I have friends that are that probably have a different perspective on this. But at some point, if police unions will not, pardon the pun, police themselves, you'll end up with some of this narrative not being, uh, being strengthened against them. That, that it'll be harder to actually combat and argue against some of the things that are being used to say that all the police forces are bad because they're not dealing with the bad apples in their midst. So... Back to what I originally said, that, that somehow, if you, you know, if you listen to this narrative in the media, Black Lives Matter, talking heads on CNN, MSNBC, you would think there's some massive epidemic in which police officers are shooting innocent black males just walking around the inner cities of America. It's not true at all. It's not even close to being true. For every 10,000 black people arrested for violent crime, three are killed. 10,000 arrested for violent crime. Violent, not just larceny, you know, robbing a store, trying to, you know, sneak a Snickers bar. These are violent crimes. Only three are killed. For every 10,000 white people arrested for violent crime, four are killed. In 2017, there were 211 police shootings of whites, 102 police shootings of blacks, Basically, in 2017, you were twice as likely as a white person to be shot by the police than if you were black. Those numbers rose to 457 white people were shot by police in 2018, and 223 blacks were shot by police in 2018. Again, holding true, you're twice as likely to be shot if you're white than you are black by the police. These are facts. These are statistics. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics 2018 National Crime Victimization Survey, 
Whites committed 59,778 crimes against blacks. However, blacks committed 547, 948 crimes against whites. Or basically, 10 times as many crimes were committed black versus white than white versus black. Furthermore, there were 112,365 black on Hispanic crimes versus 44,000 551 Hispanic on black crimes. There were 207,104 white on Hispanic crimes and 365, 299,000 Hispanic on white crimes in 2018. According to the CDC, the homicide rate by race was 22 per 100,000 for blacks, 5 per 100,000 for Hispanics, and 2 per 100,000 for whites. According to the FBI's 2016 hate crime statistics, whites commit hate crimes at a rate of 1.07 per 100,000. For blacks, the rate stands at 3.55 per 100,000. In 2016, 18 unarmed blacks were shot by the police. During this year, this constituted a lower cause of death than, wait for it, constipation, falling from bed, drowning in a bathtub, an accidental discharge from a firearm, drowning in a swimming pool, falling from stairs, extreme weather, accidental suffocation or strangulation in bed. Don't ask me what that actually means because I don't really want to know. Pedestrians hit by motor vehicles and other motor vehicle accidents, homicides by black perpetuators, perpetrators, uh, and homicides by all perpetrators. Between 2005 and 2015, 2,331 blacks were murdered by whites, while 5,249 whites were murdered by blacks. In 2016, the violent crime rate, according to FBI statistics, was 353.7 per 100,000 for blacks, but only 170.73 per 100,000 for whites. I hope that you're catching the drift here, right? That whatever you're hearing in the news is not actually based on facts or statistics because the facts and statistics tell another story. Again, we're the antidote for ignorance here, folks. Know your facts, know your statistics, know that what is being pushed as a narrative many times, especially these days, but it's been going on for years. I mean, don't kid yourselves. It's only becoming more dramatic, I think, in the last three or four years because they're dropping all pretense because they're realizing that perhaps just maybe their hold and control over information flow is being broken, they're becoming, they're just dropping the pretense. They're becoming more outspoken, more obvious in their activism and their propaganda. But a lot in the mainstream media is not really based on facts or statistics. It's based off a narrative that the corporate media wants to push. So if you were to look at the Washington Post, speaking of a propaganda rag, Sometimes you can actually get them to be honest. The Washington Post police shootings database. There were 1,004 fatal police shootings in 2019. In a country of 330 million, just so we're clear. Of these, 236 were black, 376 were white, 159 were Hispanic, and 40 were other, and 193 were unknown. Only 56 unarmed people were shot in 2019, constituting only 
25% of the total deaths from cops. Of the unarmed victims, 25 were white, 15 were black, 11 were Hispanic, and 5 were other. Think about this. In a country of 330 million in which there are literally hundreds of millions of police and civilian interactions every year, only 56 unarmed people were shot in 2019, of which only 15 were black. Also, only 33 people, about 3%, were unarmed and not fleeing from the scene, including 19 whites, 6 blacks, and 4 Hispanics, and 4 other. Furthermore, 29 people were unarmed, not fleeing the scene, and were killed by officers not wearing a body cam. Only uh, That included 18 whites, 4 blacks, and 4 Hispanics. So there's an interesting article by Heather McDonald, Wall Street Journal, The Myth of Systemic uh, place, uh, police racism. Again, Heather McDonald's article in the Wall Street Journal, The Myth of Systemic Police Racism. Even though the video, of course, and we've probably all seen it, of George Floyd's arrest is appalling, it doesn't represent, it does not, these statistics in fact show it, does not represent the vast majority of the 375 million annual contacts, contacts that police officers have with civilians. Uh, McDonald says in this article, a solid body of evidence finds no structural bias in the criminal justice system with regards to arrests, prosecution, or sentencing. Crime and suspect behavior, not race, determine most police actions. The percentage of blacks who were killed by police officers in 2019, when compared to total population, is roughly the same as it was back in 2015. This figure is less than one would expect when you put side by side with the black crime rate. In 2018, the most recent year for such data being publicly available, African Americans committed 53% of known homicides and 60% of robberies, despite making up only 13% of the general population. And I tell people this, again, when addressing some of what we've seen recently in May and June and this, this violence and the rioting and the looting in these primarily Democrat urban areas, Again, been controlled by Democrats sometimes for a hundred years, but certainly for decades. Democrats have controlled the mayor's office, the city councils, the police chief, the police commissions, and then they somehow want to blame us. Republicans, conservatives, people in the greater world. Hey, this isn't a me problem, folks. It's a you problem. You are the ones that have been controlling the levers of power in these urban areas. Don't look at me as though I created your problems. You guys have been in control. And you have refused to address your issues for, for, for many reasons, including political cowardice. Now, I would also say the same. Again, probably not going to make me terribly popular with some, but who cares? This is not a me problem, but a you problem in dealing with violence against young black males. You, the black population is only 13% of this country. Yet they commit 53% of the known homicides and 60% of the robberies. I don't think this is a me problem, folks. It's definitely a you problem. The 15 unarmed black suspects and 25 unarmed white suspects killed by police officers in 2019 constitutes a noticeable decline from 38 blacks and 32 whites killed by police in 2015. Again, I will highlight, but again, you have to repeat yourself multiple times to actually make a point. In a country of roughly 330 million people, 
We are talking about 15 unarmed black suspects being killed by police officers in 2019. Only 38 were actually killed in 2015. In 2018, the most recent year for which such data is available, there were 7,407 black homicide victims. If a similar number is recorded for 2019, then only about 1 in 700 black homicide victims will be at the hands of police officers. Let me restate that. 699 of the 700 homicides are not committed by the police. In fact, most are committed by other young black males on other black males. Okay? So stop with the idiocy in saying that there is somehow systemic violence from the police force against the black community. That's not even close to the truth. Now, of course, we know that many on the left live in an alternate reality. They want to create their own facts. They want to create their, they want to create their own truth but it doesn't have anything to do with the real world, right? I mean, they can say there's 70-some genders. They can, they can do whatever they want. In fact, the, the lady that created the 1619 Project even wants to foist on us the hilarious uh, history, and I said that in air quotes, that somehow the African-American community was first to the shores of America and somehow created a wonderful relationship with the indigenous people, the Mayans, the Aztecs, whatever they were called at the time, and they built pyramids. And in fact, the pyramids that we see in South America are in fact a symbol of the friendship between the early African-American settlers and the indigenous people at the time. This is the lady that actually pushed and wrote the 1619 Project that is now being used in schools as though it were a legitimate curriculum. All right, these people want to create alternate facts and statistics, alternate reality, because in the real world, None of those things actually back up their narrative. A police officer in a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. Let me say that again. A police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. The obsessive fixation on black Americans that are occasionally killed by police officers overlooks the fact that far more black Americans, again, are killed on a routine basis in major cities like Chicago. For example, 10 African Americans were killed in drive-by shootings in Chicago during Memorial Day weekend alone. In August of 2019, a study was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences that undercut the narrative of systemic police bias. This study found that the more often officers encounter violent suspects from any given racial group, the higher the likelihood that a member of said group will be fatally shot by a police officer. The researchers in this study concluded by noting there is no significant evidence of anti-black disparity in the likelihood of being fatally shot by police. A 2015 DOJ analysis of the Philadelphia Police Department came to the conclusion that white police officers were less likely than black or Hispanic officers to shoot unarmed black suspects. Research by the Harvard economist Roland G. Fryer Jr. also found no evidence of racial bias in police shootings. Evidence to the contrary does not adjust for crime rates and civilian behavior both before and during the shooting, however. So, 
as I as I'm starting to wrap this podcast up, it's worth going through what Tucker Carlson has already done. And in one of his recent shows, he addressed 10 out of the 15 unarmed black people who were killed by police officers in 2019. It's worth reiterating and again highlighting and showing that even in these situations, the 15 unarmed black people, the situations in which they were actually shot, it wasn't like they were sitting there peacefully. In fact, Shannara Tom Peep, shot by Knoxville police officer Dylan Williams, he attacked, he choked, and then he tased the officer before the officer shot and killed him. Five eyewitnesses confirmed this account. Marcus McVeigh was a criminal career, a career criminal from San Antonio, convicted of aggravated assault, assault on a public servant, and organized crime. He was wanted on drug dealing charges. He fled in a car, fled into the woods, where he fought with a trooper before he was killed. Again, no one was charged. Marzia Scott assaulted a shop employee. A female police officer arrived on the scene and ordered the suspect to her car. He responded by charging her and knocking her to the ground. She then shot and killed him. Ryan Toyman Tuman was approached by L.A. County deputies when he backed into one of them with his vehicle. The deputy was caught in the car door, and he and his partner opened fire. The deputies were not charged. Melvin Watkins lived in Baton Rouge, shot by a deputy after he allegedly drove his car toward the deputy at high speed. Isaiah Lewis was unarmed and naked, but broke into a house and then attacked a police officer. The police tased him, but he kept coming at them and attacking, so they shot him. Atiana Jefferson was shot by a Fort Worth deputy. Her neighbor called a non-emergency number after seeing her door open, thinking something may be wrong. When police arrived, Johnson saw them approach from a window and was holding a gun at the time. According to body cam footage, the officers shot her within seconds and were charged with homicide. Christopher Whitfield shot and killed in Ethel, Louisiana, had robbed a gas station. Deputy Glenn Sims said his gun discharged accidentally when grappling with him. I hope you're catching a, the drift here. They might have been unarmed. It does not mean they weren't violent, and it does not mean that they weren't attempting to attack and physically harm the police officers accosting them. Kevin Bruce Mason was killed after an hours-long standoff with the police. He claimed to have a gun and vowed to kill police with it, despite being unarmed. He had been in a shootout with police years before. Gregory Griffin... Shot during a car chase, the police claimed that he saw someone point a gun at him. They found a gun in the car later, but the police was charged with aggravated manslaughter anyway. In five deaths, an officer was attacked just before the shooting occurred. One was allegedly an accident. This leaves just four deaths among this list that were a result of a pursuit or standoff. According to FBI statistics, 48 police officers were murdered in 2019. This is more than the number of unarmed suspects killed of all races. Think about that. Again, not only are we talking about the fact that there isn't systemic police violence against the black community. Again, unarmed, 15 blacks were, unarmed blacks were killed, 25 unarmed whites. That's 40 total, folks. In 2019, 48 police officers were actually murdered. In fact, there might actually be systemic violence against police officers. Think about that. Think about flipping the narrative on its head. And again, these are men and women who every day are putting on a uniform and strapping on their belt and their gun and their badge and trying to bring law and order. Again, most of them, I think, 
and I know to be really good people. They're always going to be bad apples, and there probably are. In fact, I know there are. It doesn't mean that the really good men and women who risk their lives every day should somehow be targeted by vicious lies that have nothing to do with truth, have nothing to do with facts, have nothing to do with statistics. So after all of this, again, the left wants to defund the police. Not only defund, but abolish. So I I think the thing, and again, this is one of the things that they're trying to do and push this narrative. And I always tell people, you know, one of the things you can observe from socialist Marxist movements is they do want to destroy the institutions of the previous order. They want these things to be done away with. They want to remove all obstacles from them getting into power. They want to be the power brokers. And you look at what they, you know, again, through throughout history, they want to destroy the institutions, including the police, right? Remove the police, remove yet another hindrance to them gaining power. They'll bring in their own uh, police force, I say that in air quotes, to enforce law and order, their own paramilitary to actually enforce what they want. Not exactly law and order, rule of law. So this is, it's a very dangerous thing that's being proposed, and I think it's time that people actually take a much stronger stance and, and actually say, no, that's not true. Those facts and statistics are not true. Your narrative is not true, it's false. And actually, the implications are not only damaging to the minority community in urban areas, right, to fund the police, abolish the police, expose them to even more violence. But overall, it's really not a good thing, folks, on so many different levels to not have enforcement of the rule of law. And if you remove one of those things, the police force from enforcing rule of law, you've got real issues for society as a whole. So, again, now we're seeing these trends. I think New York City's repurposing or cutting a billion dollars from the New York Police Department. I think uh, LA is cutting $150 million. I think one of the things that we need to discuss moving forward is, again, just addressing the facts and the truth of what is. And, that, and that's why I did this podcast, because at some point we have to, have to understand reality of what is. I've tried my best to relay to you the various facts and t- statistics, how people actually feel about all this violence, how they actually feel about the police, how they feel about actually using the National Guard if our political leaders will not step up in these urban areas. And if you think about all those things that I've told you in this podcast, they are in almost direct opposition to the narrative being pushed by the propagandists in the mainstream media. This is why I tell people and I will remind you, when you are listening to something on the TV, anything on the TV, ask, is this really true? What are the facts and statistics? What are they trying to achieve? Does this narrative have anything to do with reality? Because a lot of times it doesn't. So hope you enjoyed this podcast. I think next time I'm going to do something that's probably more evergreen, uh, deal with the administrative state. In fact, I think it's actually pretty appropriate for now because I think this is one of the issues of how we got to where we're at right now in 2020 with this heightened animosity uh, in American politics And the reason we got to this point is because a guy named Donald J. Trump got elected by the will of the people, got elected by the means laid out by the Constitution, and he showed up in D.C. And he said, I'm the president, duly elected president of the United States. And the administrative state actor said, we don't think so. Donald Trump said, I think so. I think I'm the one that decides. And the administrative state actor said, 
we think we're the ones that decide. So I want to delve into that whole topic of the administrative state and who decides in the next episode.